This episode is sponsored by Marquette Associates. Marquette is an independent investment consulting firm that was founded in 1986 and has served the same mission ever since, to be a trusted partner to their clients and provide meaningful and thoughtful investment guidance. They've worked with dozens of public organizations in Illinois, and as of December 31st, 2020, that includes 20 firefighter funds across the state, as well as the new Consolidated Firefighters Pension Investment Fund. Marquette is headquartered in Chicago, and we're grateful for their support of the podcast. You can learn more about Marquette on their website at marquetteassociates.com. This is not an endorsement of Marquette's services. everybody, Luke Allison here with the AFI podcast, coming to you live from Fire and Iron Media Studios in Chicago. Uh, today we have a great episode for you. Uh, unfortunately, Jerry is not here today. Um, we're hoping to make the podcast Where a little bit he? better. Uh, he didn't want to come because we're doing health and wellness. Mm. Uh, it doesn't fit his his uh, style. We have he's a whole, not well. Yeah, we have a whole box of donuts here too. I heard I heard he's in Belarus drinking with our fans there, uh, and didn't want to come back. Do you think his lamb chop sideburns make him more or less healthy? <laughs> less for sure. Did you see the drawing Matt did yes, of him? Yes. Yes. Uh, for all our listeners out there, please check out the social media uh, drawing that artist Matt Olson did of Jerry. Uh, you can find it anywhere out there. It's now his profile picture. Weirdly accurate. So uh, today we got a great episode for you. Uh, we have a couple special guests with us. My co-hosts today are President Chuck Sullivan. Good morning. And Vice President Matt Olson. Good morning. And we have a couple uh, ladies on here today to talk about some health and wellness. And it's going to kind of go with our companion episode that's going to follow this with uh, Illinois Firefighter Peer Support. So with me here in the studio is Annette Zapp with Lyle Woodridge, Local 2986. Good morning. Thanks for joining us, Annette. And her good friend is coming to us live from Michigan, Maureen Stockline. Hi, Maureen. Hello. Good morning. Maureen, you're with Local 2289 out of Canton Township. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. So both of these ladies are some experts in this field. Uh, I hope I'm saying that right. They have a lot of letters after their names, correct? <laughs> that is true. More letters is better. That's a good sign. <laughs> so they, they, they are pretty well educated in this arena. And uh, the FFI podcast, you know, a lot of times we're talking about labor issues, but we want to get into things that are beneficial to all our firefighters. And health and wellness is an important thing, an important thing to enjoy those benefits that our union gets for us. So I think they go kind of hand in hand, and we're hoping these uh, episodes are beneficial to everybody. So, Annette, tell us a little more about yourself. As you stated, I am a member of Local 2986. I have been at Lyle Woodridge for 17 years, and I hold the rank of lieutenant there. I'm at uh, assigned to Squad 53, and uh, 
other than that, I have about 30 years experience in the health and wellness um, realm, if you will. And so I, uh, a few years ago, decided that the best place for me to spend my time in health and wellness was focusing on firefighters. So I own and operate a business in my free time called Fire Rescue Fitness, and that's about it. You are also Joe Barnes, company officer? Oh, boy. Do we want to say that? Oh, boy. I don't know. Is that going to make me more or less credible? He really likes you, so more credible. (laughs) Okay, yes. Love me some Barnes. We got hired on the same day. We were both as inexperienced as you can possibly be in the fire service, and we went to the academy together. So lots and lots of stories. But you did better than him. Uh, You know what? He may have done better than me. (laughs) (laughs) Just so our listeners know, Joe is the president of Lyle Local 2096. So uh, I'm sure he's listening to this podcast or ear to listen to it. Or did he say he hasn't listened to an episode? Tell me that. He has never listened to even one podcast. Hmm. So this is going to be his first. Wow. Good. Well, at least we're getting a new listener. Yes, you are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Maureen, how about you chime in a little bit about yourself? All right. So my name is Maureen Stockline. I go by Mo. And I am, uh, I've been a firefighter for, gosh, 22 years now, or 21 years. Uh, so I'm into my 22nd year. Um, and I've been a registered dietitian for longer than that. Um, so I originally started out as a dietitian. I practiced as a clinical dietitian for about three or four years and then just decided to change gears altogether. And I missed being a part of a team and the camaraderie that kind of goes along with playing sports. And so becoming a firefighter was really attractive to me. So I decided to, to jump into that. And then probably about, I would say, six or seven years ago, I kind of resubmerged myself more in sports nutrition and uh, kind of took that path with nutrition because when I originally became a dietitian, it really wasn't um, as popular as it is now. Uh, clinical nutrition was kind of the thing way back. And, and now I feel that nutrition has really uh, got a presence not only in the sports arena, but also in public safety. So I've really um, had a nice platform to kind of merge those two together. And I currently teach at um, a police academy and fire academy here in Michigan. Um, They've incorporated eight weeks of health and wellness and nutrition into that, which has been really cool because I've kind of got to be a big part of that. And then I'm also a consulting dietitian um, in a couple of fitness facilities or training facilities um, locally to me. Um, so I've really uh, kind of enjoyed working with both athletes and with uh, the public safety realm because I feel there's, hopefully I'm sure we'll dive into it even more, but there's just so many similarities between how athletes prepare and how, you know, firefighters should be preparing for their events. So um, that's kind of, kind of where I'm at, but currently I'm an engineer at my station um, and I was able to purchase a few years towards my retirement. So I'm in my final year. Uh, working in the fire department. And then after that, I hope to just continue on with kind of my mission to have an impact with nutrition. Awesome. So do you prefer we call you Mo? Because we do yeah, have that's a, fine. A Matt, Matt <laughs> goes by Mo as well here. So. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I'll respond to Mo or Maureen. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so you talked a lot about teams. Can you give us a little more about a professional sports team you were associated with? Oh, yeah. So I served three seasons with the New York Mets and was their performance dietitian. And, you know, that was really quite an experience. I, I called it the coolest 
second job uh, from the fire station ever. Uh, basically, what I did was I was part-time, considered part-time with them, but um, it essentially was a full-time job because I felt like, well, actually, in reality, every time we were on our four-day in Canton, we work every other day for three days and then we're off for four days. So during each one of my four days for the 162 baseball game season, I traveled either to New York or to wherever uh, the Mets were playing um, and served as their dietitian. So it was it was a really cool experience. It was a really eye-opening experience, um, but also a really great foundation for me to kind of see how professional sports work, especially in the nutrition uh, realm of things. So it was, I guess, my uh, 15 minutes of fame being their dietitian. <laughs> David Wells famously said when he pitched for the White Sox <clears throat> that he didn't get in shape because nobody ever spent time on the disabled list because they pulled their fat. Would you agree or disagree? <laughs> I would definitely agree. You know, when I first took the job, too, I was so intimidated. I thought, oh, my gosh, these guys are going to know so much more than I know. What the heck? I better really, you know, kind of dial things in. But, you know, in all reality, those guys are young. And um, unless I, I feel like unless they really, um, you know, kind of had a, an injury that may have been pending on something possibly related to nutrition, it wasn't always in the forefront of their mind. So it was really kind of challenging um, just like it is, you know, at the fire station to make change, um, especially when, you know, you have, uh, you know, people who make a lot of money and have a lot of resources and have a lot of people coming at them um, with just all kinds of things. So it was really challenging, too. But, yeah, I think that, um, you know, I think now nutrition is becoming more because there's just so many um, kind of parts of their performance that hinge on it. Um, so I think dietitians are going to have even more of a presence with sports, but, you know, also in the public safety realm, there's such a, a, a lack of knowledge and a lack of information for the firefighters that kind of goes right along with what, what athletes are doing. That's awesome. Little segue into the teamwork, but nutrition wise, Annette brought us in. Well, she really didn't. We have <laughs> Chicago's finest donuts sitting here, a nice box of it. Jerry's probably sad that he's not here to eat these things, but, um, where did donuts fit in your daily, uh, day? They're always at firehouses. So what, what should we eat them or what? They really are always at firehouses. Um, I always um, like to go by the 80, 20 rule, 80% of the time, you know, you make really great food choices so that 20% of the time you can still uh, enjoy the foods that maybe don't serve that 80%. Um, and in all reality, I mean, I never, uh, like to discourage people from ER or to completely eliminate food groups especially but um i would say they're not optimal fuel but in all reality they are carbs so they will fuel performance to a degree maureen, <laughs> so timing. I, maureen i just want to mention that those words started to come out of luke's mouth and i gave him one look and he was like oh yeah i'm not gonna lie about that he's scared he's scared it's fine i've heard of that like live in a <laughs> I heard Annette likes peanut butter too. Those peanut butter jars make the countertops at firehouses mm. too. You scoop it with a spoon, right? Yeah. Isn't you know, that good so fat, right? The thing with peanut they butter are. is everyone wants to talk about, you know, I'm I'm overweight, I'm overfat, I'm not happy with my body. But then peanut butter, it's so delicious and it's so easy to overeat that someone will eat five, six servings without even realizing it. 
That's a lot of calories. That protein doesn't build muscles for me. Oh, Luke, there's very little protein in peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> Is that good. natural peanut butter? That's no good either. It's it's just it's, it's just, not a good protein yeah. source. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Every high school boy in the world thinks peanut butter is a good protein source. And those high school boys grow up to be firefighters. <laughs> That's very true. Very true. And it's really, it's a hard transition, too, to go from, uh, you know, just peanut butter, which most of us have probably been raised on, to even natural peanut butter. So, you know, ugh, yeah, it can add up to a lot of calories. I've always said you could have, you know, $100 on the counter and no one would touch it. But if you leave your peanut butter out, it's going to be gone the next day. <laughs> True. If you leave an Oreo in the urinal, somebody will eat it. <laughs> <laughs> a donut in the garbage can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so today we're going to try to hit on a few different topics. And it's interestingly enough, I think uh, when we chatted before about putting this podcast together last week, we were kind of talking about mental health. It's like super important, right? And our bodies are like our vehicles for our brains, right? So um, sleep's important, nutrition's important, and physical maintenance is important to our bodies. So where do you ladies want to start with the most important piece that kind of works together with all this? I think Mo made a really great point about when she was talking about her athletes and how they're young, you know, they're young men and women and they're uneducated and they don't realize how important fueling their body is. And I think we're in the same situation with our firefighters where they're coming into the fire service and they're just not aware of how important taking care of their physical self is. And um, I personally, and, and I think Mo and I kind of agree on this, she's a dietitian, um, and I'm more on the fitness realm of things or the, the training realm of things, but we both agree that if you're not sleeping well, nothing's going well. And unfortunately, our men and women come into the fire service and they don't get an awful lot of education about any of these things, but especially sleep. Um, we're told when we come into the fire service, you can expect to be tired all the time. You can sleep when you're dead. You, you raised your hand, you know, you owe this to the, to the public. Um, you know, do not rest on duty because we're, we're paying you to work 24 hours and we're sending the wrong message. The message we need to be sending these young people, these new firefighters, is that sleep is of paramount importance, and if you don't sleep, nothing's going to go well. And I could probably go on a huge tangent, and maybe you guys just should ask some questions about it to keep me on track. Are you, would you be a fan of the one-hour nap, if you will, or downtime during Absolutely. During lunchtime. Great question. You know what? Napping is critical, especially in people that are sleep deprived. So let's just hit on sleep deprivation for a second. One of the things that kills a lot of our firefighters, let's just put suicide, um, not on the back burner, but let's put it aside for the moment. Let's not talk about that right at the second. Uh, One of the things that kills a lot of our firefighters is heart disease and stroke. Sleep deprivation is an independent risk factor for those issues. Another thing that kills a lot of our professional firefighters is motor vehicle accidents. Again, sleep is an independent risk factor for having a motor vehicle accident. We also make very poor decisions when we're sleep deprived, and we also make very slow decisions when we're sleep deprived. And it's interesting, a lot of us try to compensate for sleep deprivation with caffeination. I'm looking at you guys (laughs) (laughs) with your drinks. But the problem is we don't make better decisions when we're caffeinated. We just make bad decisions faster. And so 
we can compensate for the sleep deprivation to some extent with that tactical nap that you're that you were talking about. The interesting thing about napping though is it should be either around 20 minutes or about 90 minutes. You'll get great benefit in 20 minutes and you'll get a full sleep cycle in 90 minutes, but anything in between is gonna put you kind of in the middle of a sleep cycle. So that one hour is actually a great opportunity to have some downtime, have a 20 minute nap, and then get back up and get back to work. I will tell you one thing about caffeine though. There is something that's called a caffeinated tactical nap or a nappuccino. And yes, this is a thing. The military uses it. There's a lot of research on it. If you caffeinate yourself before you take your 20-minute nap, that caffeine will be kicking in right at the time that you wake up. So you'll wake up alert, ready to go back to work, and not in the middle of that sleep cycle. So Annette endorses the one-hour nap time. Interesting. So it's like a pre-fuel to your nap. To some extent, yes. So there's a lot of research, especially in the military, where caffeine can help us perform better when we're sleep deprived. The problem is we get addicted to it. We use it all the time. So it's just a vicious cycle of not enough sleep, caffeinate, not enough sleep, caffeinate. The other thing we have to think about is that caffeine has a half-life of about four to six hours. And so if we're slamming caffeine at eight o'clock at night, nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, and then trying to go to sleep, you may be able to go to sleep, but your sleep isn't going to be resting and restorative. It's not going to be high quality sleep. So you just have to be careful with caffeine. Looking at you, Matt Olson. Uh, This isn't decaf, so. With seven shots of mocha. No, that's just chocolate syrup. That's delicious. (laughs) You know, one thing I learned post-retirement, Annette, and it took me about three months, uh, but I was actually able to sleep at night. And I didn't realize that wasn't going well. I mean, I got 30 years of doing it your way, you know, just being on shift and, and, and dealing with all of those things that when I finally was able to fall asleep about 11 o'clock and sleep till about five in the morning, it was, it was miraculous. Um, but it did take a few months of completely separating from the fire service for that to happen. What advice do you have for people that are still working and they have a long ways to go? How do they, how do they learn to just take care of themselves? You're going to hate my advice, but you have to go back to your childhood. When you were a kid, you had a bedtime, right? You know, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, whatever it was, you had a bedtime. And when you were really small, you had a bedtime routine. Mom and dad would, whatever, give you a glass of milk, read you a story, six glasses of water, okay, go to bed. But you had a routine. We take it for granted as adults. We'll just go to bed at some point. What point is that point? And so my recommendation is to continue as an adult to have a bedtime, to have a bedtime routine, and and we can go into, it's called sleep hygiene, actually. We can go into that in greater detail, but have that routine and then stick to it. You are not going to do better in life by staying up late and not getting sleep. You're never going to do better. So especially with the uh, younger Do you think that's Joe Barnes' problem? Joe Barnes is a winner. <laughs> he is. No. And now I'm, I'm derailed. Oh, it's fine. I'm derailed. No. <laughs> but you're never going to do better with less sleep. Statistically, there's a very, very small portion of the population that genetically can thrive on four to five hours sleep. And everyone says like, oh, yeah, that's me. It's not you. Mm-hmm. Genetically, it's like 1% of people. Do a number of firefighters have, like, um, I know a number of members in Champaign use the CPAP, 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 
or they have restless leg syndrome yep. or is that indicative of the job or lack of sleep or it's really interesting that you should say that there was a study done in the military where they actually so let me backtrack sleep apnea is usually found in older men overweight men unhealthy men you know, 50s and 60s, they have the sleep apnea. In a study done in the military, they were finding that their soldiers in their early 20s had sleep apnea. So chicken, egg, I'm not sure what the deal is, but I think that many, many of our fire service members have undiagnosed sleep disorders, including, like you said, restless leg or obstructive apnea or all of those things. And so I don't think any longer you can assume that I don't have sleep apnea just because I'm a female and I'm 20. It could happen. Marine just, do you see any that? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to ask because I think it's interesting at the um, with the Mets. You know, they had each of the players do sleep screenings, and so it was just like a I don't know eight to ten question uh, questionnaire, and then based on their scoring of that, they would get referrals to you know to a, to a sleep study. Um, and I'm wondering, like circling back, if that would be a value to the fire service too, or have you heard of anything like that where? Departments have done, you know, kind of these standardized sleep questionnaires and then maybe flag people who, because I know at our station, we have several firefighters that use the sleep apnea machine as well. So um, it's kind of like the hum at night, which is kind of like a, a nice white noise for those of us who don't need it. But um, I'm just wondering if that would be a value to the fire service. Absolutely. And in fact, it is something that I do recommend because in yet another study, there were about 80% of firefighters with those obstructive sleep apnea or um, narcolepsy or those other sleep diseases that were actually undiagnosed and untreated. So uh, getting those firefighters identified and treated is critical. Marine, I was going to ask kind of before you went into that is Annette kind of talked about the caffeine feed in a nap. Is nutrition-wise, there are good strategies to help your sleep? Do, do they tie together in any way? They do. And really, caffeine is something that I always try and educate on just because of, you know, basically what Annette said, which is where caffeine has a half-life of, you know, that six-hour half-life. So, you know, routinely at the fire station, there's coffee going all day, every day. And, you know, we have the same arguments at our station about how I can fall asleep, I can drink a pot of coffee and still fall asleep. And so... I do educate on the the sleep cycles and how important those are. But I also think food can have an impact on it. So, you know, eating late at night and, and eating, you know, kind of ultra processed, highly processed foods, high in sugar later in the evening can definitely have a significant impact on how quickly you fall asleep and how restful your sleep is. If your body's working on digesting rather than resting, um, you know, obviously your sleep is going to be quite disrupted. Um, another thing that I think is fairly common is reflux or GERD. And so if you you know, are having meals before you just lay down, then that can also impact your sleep, you know, with having the, the reflux issue. Um, but I do think, too, with, with nutrition, um, routine is really important. And so I think that's something that firefighters often struggle with, especially if you're, if you're running calls all night, that routine just gets blown out of the water with your food because you're up. And so you feel um, maybe not obligated, but you end up snacking or or, you know, hungry when you're not normally hungry, whatever it might be. Um, so I think trying as best we can to stick with some sort of routine with our food, um, and maybe that means having portable snacks with you throughout the day or, um, you know, just being a little bit more mindful of if you're not hungry. It's kind of like hydrating. If you're not thirsty, you still kind of have to hydrate because you don't know what time you might need to be hydrated at. Um, so kind of embracing that mindset throughout the day can be helpful. 
and then just being aware of what you're eating and uh, before you go to bed um, when you do sleep well. Um, it's kind of part of the performance routine where it's finding the foods that work well if you're going to go out running or if you're going to go run a marathon. We, we really, you know, educate on making sure you practice with certain foods. Same goes with your sleep routine, making sure you know which foods have an impact on how well you sleep or on how well you don't sleep, um, and then uh, implementing uh, that kind of stuff. So you guys are really ruining the fire service right now. So like the ice cream I have before bed, like usually when you work overtime, you got to bring in a couple quarts of ice cream or some dilly bars and have them before dilly bed. Dilly bars, oh my gosh, yes. Right? I mean, that's true. So not, not, not a good idea, huh? Hey, Maureen, yeah, do you, so, do you want to break the bad news about booze or do you want me to do it? I kind of already broke the bad news about donuts. And Maureen, there's a whole <laughs> shelf full of liquor right here in this podcast studio. <laughs> right behind <laughs> <that>. Right behind <laughs> us. <laughs> and then I'll bust on trigger. You can bust on the booze. Okay, I get to bust on the booze. So un- unfortunately, too, there's this perception that having a nightcap will help us sleep. So, you know, I had a rough day at work. I'm just going to have a shot of bourbon or whatever to help me relax and go to sleep. And unfortunately, alcohol disrupts our sleep greatly. And so there's this concept known as heart rate variability. And uh, even in a normal sinus rhythm, there's a beat to beat variability. And that's normal. And actually, the more variability you have to a certain point, more is better. And alcohol tends to decrease that heart rate variability um, and also uh, decrease the ability of your autonomic nervous system to um, repair and relax while you're sleeping. So all in all, I'm sorry, we're going to bust on alcohol too. Not a good strategy. Can, can I ask both you guys, Mo and Annette, in every firehouse I've been in, there's there's typically a couple of guys or, or women who are just good at it, right? They're healthy. They work out. They can push away from the table. Um, and we admire those people. Uh, but most of us are not those people. And what I see often is these firefighters will wait until maybe they get to this critical point where they kind of go get their apartment physical or their suit doesn't fit. And they're like, well, I guess I'm there. And then you see a good month of healthy eating, uh, all of a sudden there's salads for lunch and then everybody high fives when they get where they need to go. And it sort of goes back to normal. Are, are those weird cycles of let's get healthy for a little while? Are they useful? Is there a better way to do that? I think from a nutrition standpoint, I think when people, um, you know, kind of take that approach and, and get healthy, they've got the mindset of having to eliminate foods to be healthy. And I think part of uh, the education piece that needs to be implemented is that, it's not necessarily eliminating foods. It's, it's increasing the value of the foods that you do eat. So when you look at overall health outcomes, we're looking at, you know, kind of some of the inflammation things that happen in our body. And it goes in line with the foods that we need to have to, um, you know, reduce risk factors. So that means increasing fruits and vegetables. So you can still get away with eating the foods that you enjoy. It's just how can we enhance those foods to make them healthier. Um, So eating more fruits and vegetables, eating more whole grains, eating less processed foods, eating uh, less refined foods. And those are the sorts of concepts nutritionally that can be um, more of a lifestyle change, something that can last rather than I'm going to eliminate carbs. I'm going to eliminate fat. I'm going to only, you know, follow a certain very restrictive diet plan. And that will get people, you know, maybe weight-wise where they need to be, but long-term health-wise not where they need to be. So um, as a dietitian, I really try, whether it's an athlete 
um, or whether it's a firefighter or police officer, whoever it is, it's like, let's take another approach and let's look at how we can enhance your, your food choices to make them healthier. So this is more long-term, long-standing than just something that kind of cycles in and out, which we all see so frequently in the fire service. I think to Matt's point as well, and, and we can all probably picture this person that's been overweight and then gone on a sort of a, um, super enthusiastic crash, whatever it is, like going to the binge diet, whatever you want to call it, uh, stop drinking, all of those things. And they look great. And then what happens? They cycle back up and then they buckle down again and you you just watch it and it gets faster every time. And from a metabolic standpoint, that's just what happens. Uh, What I tell people is if you are overweight, well, what I tell people is don't ever get overweight. But if you do get overweight, make the decision one time to make the lifestyle changes, the healthy changes that Mo mentioned, not in a in a super restrictive fashion, not in a really fast fashion, lose the weight slowly, and then figure out your plan to keep it off. Because unfortunately, it is very unhealthy for your body to keep cycling up and down, and it goes faster every time. Your body gets really, really good at gaining weight. More bad news. on this a little bit more on the sleep stuff what's your and a lot of people might not like this one too but i've i've heard of it out there our shift schedule very detrimental to it or is can you can you work through that the i mean we talked about chuck mentioned like a nap strategy or things like that is there a a good strategy to kind of work through that on our shift schedules to maintain some good sleep So the World Health Organization, regardless of what you think of the World Health Organization, has determined that shift work is a carcinogen. So it is predictive of certain types of cancer. So we know shift work isn't great. But we also know that working eight-hour shifts as a firefighter or 12-hour shifts as a firefighter is also not that great. What I tell people is you have a responsibility to yourself. So you cannot control, for the most extent, what happens the time that you're working you can control how much overtime you take. You can control how many shift trades you do. And you can also control what you're doing on your days off. So I truly believe it's your responsibility on your days off to get your sleep tidied up, your nutrition, all of those good things on your days off. So to answer your question, it's not ideal. The schedule is not ideal, but we can work around it as long as you dedicate yourself to it and realize the importance of sleep. Yeah, unfortunately, the last couple of days, Chuck and I have talked about this, the amount of overtime there is in most places, and it's hard to, you know, sidestep from that, you know, um, and I guess, and unfortunately, I know in my department, it's mostly the senior guys that are working, probably probably the people that don't need to be there working. Their, their recovery is a lot harder than a younger person, I would assume. Right? Absolutely. Well, and I feel like our, our department overtime issues are caused partially by me because I do an education program for the new firefighters when they walk in the first day and I tell them about the importance of sleep and I preach to them about not taking every single overtime shift that's ever offered to them. And so now the BCs are like, why are the new guys not taking any overtime? Because right. Annette said not to. Yeah. He probably also educated them on not going out and overdoing their finances either, so they wouldn't feel obligated. To I take did all the stop overtime. buying the sixty thousand dollar truck. <laughs> stop. I do that too. <laughs> then you don't feel so obligated to take it. <laughs> Marine, what's some other like 
simple strategies as a firefighter as far as eating, right? I, I know you kind of talked about, and it's probably the hardest thing to do is eat those fruits and vegetables. I, I know it's for myself. Um, it, what, are, what are some other strategies that come into eating right that will, will help us along in general wellness? I feel like there's really three main principles that um, if we can embrace, especially in the fire service, that our health outcomes will be better. Um, and I think the first one is staying hydrated. I think that's always a challenge for us. Um, you know, it's not like the baseball uh, guys that would show up at the, bar, the ballpark at one o'clock and have their Gatorade bottles handed to them with their hydration product in it for their seven o'clock performance. I mean, we really have to kind of map that out, and navigate it before we ever even arrive at the station because our event can happen at eight o'clock. And if we're, or whenever it is that we come on shift. And if we are, you know, underfueled and underhydrated going into, you know, a major event, we can really set ourselves behind and really set ourselves up for injury as well. Um, so I feel like hydration and staying on top of our hydration throughout the day is, has got to be a priority. Um, the, the other thing is um, just the simple concept of eating more fruits and vegetables. So, you know, ideally we want somewhere around five to six servings, break them up however you want, three fruits, two vegetables, two vegetables, three fruits, whatever it might be. So that's just sort of like the hydration, getting on it first thing in the morning. And so if you're having breakfast and maybe you're having a donut, that is okay. But maybe have some fresh berries along with it or maybe some cut up watermelon or an apple or something, you know, redeem that donut somehow. Um, but just kind of incorporating more with every meal. So if you're going to have a smoothie, throw some, you know, berries in there, or throw some spinach in there, you know, any way you can amp up the value of your meal through incorporating more of those fruits and vegetables is going to be beneficial, especially when, like Annette mentioned, when you look at the, the um, diseases that firefighters seem to, uh, um, you know, be most common with firefighters, we're looking at heart disease and stroke, and we're looking at obesity, and we're looking at cancer, and all of those diseases are linked to um, fruits and vegetable consumption. So, and then the last thing is just eating more whole foods and, and really trying to eat less processed, ultra-processed, and, you know, refined grains. So amping up your fiber, um, and that just simply means choosing more whole grains. So oats, whole grain breads, um, you know, not typically the things that you you will see laying around the fire station or things that, you know, the public bring to have on the counter at the fire station. Um, so just being mindful of maybe tucking those foods away because if they're on the counter, everyone's going to eat them. In fact, I used to take the pies and the cakes and whatever was delivered and portion them out. Once you cut into them, it'll all disappear. Um, so I think tucking those foods away is also important, but then just trying to be more mindful of amping up the fight, the fiber. So hydration, um, eating more fruits and vegetables, and then eating less refined foods. And that is something that is maintainable for a lifestyle rather than just, you know, quick and easy, drop some weight and then, uh, kind of go back to what you were doing. So those all will help with, with not only longevity in the fire service, but it will also help with overall health. And there's great data that all three things that Mo mentioned there are also good for mental health. So wonderful, wonderful exactly. data in the literature about fruits and vegetables and brain health and hydration and, and whole foods. So can I, can I ask you about that, Ben, while, while we're there, both Mo and Annette, when we first started, oh God, probably six years ago or so, um, moving down the road of the peer support program and talking about firefighter emotional wellness, uh, I think it was Kyle Matuzic from Oakbrook had talked to us about fitness programs and, and incorporating that in. And we were hesitant to do that, not because it was a bad idea. It was something we didn't understand very well. And we still wanted to kind of 
break the seal on emotional wellness as a conversation. And we didn't want to overwhelm everybody with, uh, you know, things we weren't really clear on. But I think as, as we look at it now, I don't think there's any doubt that there's a connection there. Can you talk about how uh, fitness and how, you know, good diet and health will benefit somebody emotionally as well? Well, we can boil it down simply in brain health, as little as a 15 minute walk per day can help bolster mental health. So, you know, there's study after study that talks about weight training and how it affects mental health and cardiovascular training. But, but the long and the short of it is if you just move your body every way in a, every day in a meaningful way, you are taking care of your brain. Um, the interesting, I can give you actually an anecdotal experience. So we can talk about studies all day, but that gets boring. And the typical firefighter doesn't want to hear about studies. They want to hear about stories. And so my story is actually quite interesting in that I came into the fire service as a super happy, healthy person. I mean, I was, uh, let's not exaggerate here. I was not an extrovert, but I had friends. I had a social life. I was super happy and things started to go south really quickly for me in the fire service. And I credit the fact that I never gave up on my sleep. I always had my nutrition on point and I always had my training on point. Um, what I did not have on point was sort of the spiritual or the, um, the counseling or, or something, mindfulness practice like that. I, I didn't have that, but I had those three pieces. And those three pieces, I think, saved me from going down a very, very bad path. And so, again, the data is compelling, but real stories, I think, are even more compelling. And because I kept my mental health um, to the greatest um, level that it could possibly be, even not knowing I had an issue, I think that that was a very, very positive experience for me. Ultimately, what happened was when uh, Matt came and visited our firehouse and gave the talk about peer support and told his story, his story triggered for me an understanding of what was going on in my life. And so that was actually a really pivotal moment. And I hope you knew that before, but if I didn't tell you before, that was a pivotal moment. It was really important, but also I had, I was sort of standing on the shoulders of giants with my sleep and my nutrition and my training um, as it was. What do you have on that Mo? Well, I, I would agree. And I think that, um, you know, I'm reading a book right now about gut health and how important our gut health is to our mental health and the foods that we fuel our, um, our gut with, you know, also fuel our brain. And so interestingly, you know, a large portion of our immune system and our serotonin production is residing in our gut. So if we're not serving that properly by once again, going back to fruits and vegetables and fiber and and gut diversity, meaning exposing yourself to, you know, just tons of different um, variety with your foods, then that um, your gut is not going to be in that kind of harmony that we're looking for to um, create the, the volume of serotonin that we need and to have that really healthy immune system. So I think, you know, research-wise, more and more research is going into understanding our gut and how much it relates uh, between the, the brain and the gut with, with mental health. Um, so I think that'll be some really interesting findings as we, we continue to move along. But I mean, things like fish oil and omega-3s and zinc and magnesium and, you know, choline from eggs. And there's just like each food um, offers 
some different nutrients. So you can even have like at, at our station, we have, you know, at every station, you've got people who are kind of the outliers that eat really healthy and meal prep their food and make chicken and broccoli and rice for every meal. And they're very regimented and they look great. But I always kind of, you know, try and educate them too. Like, man, you should really try and have some different things. You're eating so healthy, but let's try some seeds and nuts or let's try some different vegetables just because that's going to help that environment to, you know, really be, be healthier and therefore promote more mental health and mental wellness. Maureen, doesn't, I kind of heard this along the way too. I know you're talking about how you eat affects your mental health, but if I already have some mental health issues or stress or whatever, that's, that's going to impact how I eat. I mean, uh, the sleep deprivation too, because Annette said to me that I, I was at work last night, so we ran a little bit, but she said, I'm going to eat those donuts now because I'm not making good decisions with being sleep deprived. <laughs> so it's true. But, it's like being drunk. <laughs> like when you're drunk. Yeah, correct. You, yeah, you go to Taco Bell or whatever, right? Um, <laughs> White Castle, true. yes. So how, or you tend to crave sugar. You lose your, your inhibitions, you know, similar, actually similar to being drunk. And that's when we tend to crave sweets and we tend to make food choices that, that we would typically never make. It's when we're tired. So you, maybe you're coming home or getting off shift, or maybe it's the middle of the night. Um, and that's really when those, those food choices creep in. But in all honesty, if we, like I said, go back and going back to routine, when you do have a fairly decent routine with incorporating, you know, I always say, try and find a protein, you know, a healthy fat and fiber. If you've got those at your meal, then you're, you're at least headed in the right direction um, with satiety and with, you know, feeling your muscles, feeling your energy levels. Um, and if you do that throughout the day, those inhibitions um, or those temptations aren't as great. But certainly if you've run all day and you've missed breakfast and then you maybe grabbed a snack at the hospital for lunch and then you got, you know, a call in the middle of your dinner, I can guarantee in the middle of the night you're going to be snacking or when you get home, you're just going to, you know, have whatever is an arm's reach away. Um, so certainly sleep plays a big, big, big role in that too in our food choices. Well, kind of on that too, it doesn't the psychological effect make you choose what you're eating too. So if I'm, if I'm stressed or I'm depressed or anything along those lines, that's going to affect what I choose to eat as well. Right. I, I'm not going to make good decisions or is it kind of the same as the sleep thing you're talking about? Yeah. It's very similar to the, to the sleep deprivation, you know, just you'll just tend to choose foods that, that are not normally foods that you would choose and, and a lot of times mindlessly eat too. If you're not even hungry, you're just doing it to, to probably cover for something else that's, that's bothering you. Luke is looking for a dopamine hit. It's okay. <laughs> I, I want to open that box <laughs> of donuts right now is actually what I'm looking for. Is it is it a fair takeaway that say you could have a jelly donut or carrot cake and kill two birds? Is that am I hearing this one? <laughs> Jelly, that's right. I'm sure they're using Philander's all fruit in your jelly donut. <laughs> Mashing a banana and putting it in there. <laughs> I think, you, you know what I think? Matt asked you about the avocado sleep. avocado oil. <laughs> <laughs> Matt asked about the sleep, but I think it's the same thing with all of it. I don't have donuts at my house. It's not that I don't, truly, it's not that I don't like them. Mm-hmm. I, I love pizza. I love Doritos. I do, mm-hmm. but I don't keep it at my house because I know that when push comes to shove, I'm going to get out the bag of Doritos and I'm going to eat 10 of those Doritos while I decide whether I'm going to eat Doritos or not. And so I don't keep them in my house. And uh, the other thing is that I have a routine with my training 
after I leave here, I already know I'm going home to do my training. I'm not even going to pass go collect $200. I'm going to the basement to do my training. So I think the more we leave things up to chance, the more discombobulated our life gets. So routines, we need routines. So just to touch on the mental aspect one more time. Um, I think when a lot of us hear mental health, we talk, we think about peer support or talking to a counselor or a psychologist or psychiatrist. Are you a fan of meditation by chance? Do you, do you want to discuss anything about meditation? Do you believe in it? The only reason I ask is there's a couple of guys that I know that are firm believers in it. And, um, a neighbor of mine actually talked me into doing it and I do actually do it on occasion. It's, um, it's proven helpful. Yeah, meditation can be very, very useful, especially if you have trouble falling asleep. Some of those apps, Insight Timer or Headspace that you can get on your your phone can actually help people relax and go back to sleep or get to sleep. I think it's amazing. Um, Mindfulness, just the practice of mindfulness. And for some people that looks like sitting quietly on the couch and watching Matt eat donuts, that (laughs) practice of mindfulness is very, very helpful. I'm glad to be helpful. You are helpful. (laughs) But, um, you know, I'm blessed with, I have a light switch. Most people, Matt, how long does it take you to fall asleep when you decide to go to sleep? About 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Luke? I'm out like a light. Okay. My wife my wife loves it. I'm I'm with Luke. It's like a light switch. Chuck, how long does it take you to fall asleep? Well, when I you mentioned it, I have it downloaded. I use Inside Timer to go to sleep. Yeah. Seriously, okay. I do. See, I'm I, I can't meditate before I go to sleep because I'm already asleep. So it's a blessing. Um, but many people don't have that ability. The other thing that I'm finding is starting to be an issue is I used to be able to go out on a call, even a medic call, and be out, write the report, come back, lay down, go back to sleep. The older I get, even I'm the officer, I don't have much to do. I come back and I lay there for two hours. So I've started to practice this uh, process called Nidra Yoga or Yoga Nidra. I can't remember which order it is in, but it's actually approved by the Department of Defense um, as sort of like a relaxation technique to help people go to sleep. So that's something people could look at too. Mo, have you explored Yoga Nidra? Um, yeah, a little bit. And actually, we're just starting to teach them. We're running a boot camp at our uh, police academy on July 10th. And so I'm excited that I have a yoga instructor that's going to come in and teach that. Um, I know for me personally, I use the Calm app, which has um, some yoga nidra on there. So it's just some kind of coaching for that avenue of sleep. Um, but I also um, have found that typically I fall asleep immediately. Um, but now, as I've gotten older, um, on shift, just like you and that, it's harder for me to, to do that when I come back from a call. It usually takes me an hour, sometimes up to two hours, just like you, your brain starts going. So I have tried to implement some of the yoga, mindful breathing, box breathing techniques to help with that, and it does help. So overall, and, and I would consider both of you veterans of the fire service. Um, I started 26 years ago, and when I started... <clears throat> the chicken fried steak and the ham and beans were pretty popular and that, you know, the guys would put their cigarette out in the, you know, leftover mashed potatoes. Um, (laughs) Today it's more the the chicken and fish. So have you guys seen uh, at least some improvement, you know, just speaking overall, is that just because of education or, or younger guys are more receptive and they're more educated, you know, coming into the fire service about, nutrition or physical fitness or just as an overall view from what you guys see from what you saw when you started to what you see now 
I definitely think that there's been a transition with, um, especially with uh, portion sizes and also with quality of food. I think, you know, I can speak from our department that I think the, especially the newer guys are more willing to pitch in a little extra. Uh, it used to be like $3, I think, would get you dinner because they would do, you know, a huge thing of pasta and some cheap meat sauce. Um, so I, I've seen that they're willing to invest more to have higher quality food for meals. And I also see there's more um, of the firefighters bringing their own food in. So for breakfast and lunch, rather than cooking in the masses, I see a lot more bringing their own because they are on their own kind of program as far as eating a little bit better. And also, I think they've realized that when they get caught out and they're gone all day, if they don't have food, they're just subject to whatever's at the hospital or whatever is at Taco Bell at, at, you know, in the middle of the day, they'll grab something that that doesn't make them feel good. And I also just want to say, too, I think there's so many, not just firefighters, Americans that walk around have no idea how good they could feel if they would just give themselves, I would say, it looks like someone who just needs two weeks to know how good they could feel. And then they don't want to make those choices because they know how crummy they feel when they eat a whole little Caesars $5 pizza or when they eat Taco Bell if they had brought their own or if they had pitched an extra to have a little bit better quality food. They feel better, and so that is contagious, and they want to continue with it. Mo sends me the best pictures for my presentation. She had the uh, <laughs> guy with the Little Caesars pizza. He was very proud of himself, though he had chosen the light salt chips <laughs> to go with the two liter I of Pepsi. I did stop you. I'm like, wait, don't eat that. I need a picture of that. <laughs> Chuck, my uh, other three grandparents really? were... Burns, Regan, and O'Neill. I don't know what leftover mashed potatoes. That's, that's true. That's true. You're right. Good point. Point well taken. M- Maureen, are you the cook at your firehouse then? Well, you know, I'm at a station where there's only four of us, so I do uh, cook. However, it seems like because we have two guys on the squad and then there's an engine, myself and my uh, captain, and he happens to be the one that eats chicken, rice, and broccoli for every meal, that we end up bringing our own food. Um, but at our headquarters, I, my shift, I have to say, is, is pretty well dialed in. And, and a lot of that is attributed to another really awesome dietitian, Megan Louts is her name, the Rescue RD. And she provided, um, or she's, I keep encouraging her to publish this darn thing, but she's got a really great cookbook and it's got some really um, tasty recipes in it. So I was able to get that and I've put it in each of our stations. So more recently, they've been cooking from that, which has been really cool because she incorporates vegetables into things and, you know, puts, you know, has really tasty food, a healthier version of it. And she breaks it down for cooking from six people to 20 people. So they, I would say more recently, almost every meal has come out of that cookbook, which has been really fun to see. So if you provide the resources, I feel like they'll leave it on the counter and they'll, they'll use it. Um, and that's certainly what they've done with her cookbook. It's called Firehouse Fresh. And it's free. And it's free. We'll have to have her on one of these days then. Oh, you're not ready for Megan. We've got to have her in the studio. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I feel like you need video for Megan. <laughs> so, Maureen, on, you kind of mentioned that. And again, some of our departments, they're pretty busy. You know, uh, there's ambulances doing 20 runs a shift or whatever. Is there any options like when they do go to... I don't know if Taco Bell is the best example or Mickey D's or whatever. Is there some strategy there of certain things they could get there that aren't so bad for them, but at least take that edge off. So they're not 
in, in a bad place eating like that? Because, again, sometimes you just don't have the time to get back to the firehouse and have a decent meal. Right. No, and I and I agree with that completely. But I think that the best thing that you can do is try and order food that you would typically cook at home. So if you don't normally have a fried chicken sandwich, you have a grilled chicken sandwich. Um, if you normally have a bowl-style meal, maybe chipotle or qdobo would be more in line with how you normally eat. So you can have a complex carb, have a protein, and still have a halfway decent piece-together meal. Um, and then just avoiding things that you wouldn't typically eat. So if, if you've already had pizza once this week, then maybe try and have something different. Um, and then the other thing that I always recommend is that you at least have access to some ready-to-drink, halfway decent protein source um, so that you're not just depending on carbohydrates. So I know um, Megan g- gave a really good point about if you're going to have pizza as your, let's say, your recovery meal after a fire, maybe you can also have a, a protein shake when you get back to the station if there's a blender and there's a protein powder and a you know, our yogurt and some fruit that you can throw together, then now you're going to get your protein too. And that's going to be more satiating and more, um, you know, kind of in line with a recovery meal. Um, so same thing goes for that. Something to just get you by until you can get back to the station and have something maybe to enhance that meal. Um, but certainly staying away from the foods you wouldn't typically make for yourself at home. Things like Subway and Jimmy John's and those are a little, you have control over what they're putting in your food a little bit more with those types of places. I think, though, Mo, let's be honest. There isn't anyone out there that doesn't know that grilled chicken is a better choice than the McRib with an extra large fry, okay, with a <laughs> side shake. Do they still make that? <laughs> I don't know. But, but I think what is even more important message is that people need to realize that every meal, every training session, and every bout of sleep is literally feeding your body information, to your to your genes level and you and you can get what's called epigenetic modifications very quickly and so Maureen to her point of people don't realize how good they could feel and in two weeks they could feel so much better they can they absolutely can because all of that all of those um, assaults if you will all of the sleep deprivation all of the Little Caesars pizza and all of the alcohol, all of that is literally changing your body on a daily basis. So you can either be changing it for the better or the worse. Jerry would have never made it through this episode because Maureen threw out $3 pasta and stuff and sauce. Oh, he, <laughs> he, he would have not been able to do this episode. So it's he would have thrown off his headphones uh, and just yeah, left. Yes, yeah. It's good he's not here today. It's okay. The, the uh the Downers Grove guys told me I wasn't ready for Jerry anyway, so it's probably good he wasn't here. Well, ease into it. We'll be you'll be ready for ease next into. time. Okay. So one of our last topics we kind of we've danced around it a little bit, but we've hit on the sleep deprivation, the mental health, the nutrition. What about the physical training aspect of it? Um, you know, there's some people, you know, that's not just in their cards. But I know you mentioned earlier, walk helps or whatever. Um, how does that play into all this, what we've talked about today? Yeah, absolutely. Just like I said, going for a 15 minute walk can, can elevate your mood. And I do understand I have a very different situation than most people. I live by myself. I don't have little kids. Um, I don't have, uh, a lot of other responsibilities other than running my business. So I do spend a lot of time on my health and wellness. So I understand when people say I don't have time. 
but it's absolutely critical that they make time. And sometimes they don't realize where they're wasting their time. And so I once had a woman tell me, I just absolutely don't have time to train. There's no time in my day. So I had her start at the beginning of the day and work through the, the day. And she said, and at four o'clock, I pick up my son and I drop him off at track practice. And I said, okay, what do you do at track practice? And she said, well, I sit in my car and wait for him. How long do you wait? 90 minutes. Okay, we just found 90 minutes where you can go walk around the neighborhood. And she was just, she wasn't a, an unintelligent woman, but she just wasn't thinking with that aspect. So even if you can only put together 15 minutes to take your kid for a walk in the stroller, um, you know, wrestle around the living room, whatever, get your body moving a little bit every day, you will definitely feel better. The other thing is, people make it so complicated. You know, they think they, I have to go to a gym, I have to have a program, I have to do this, I have to do that. No, just move your body, dedicate yourself to moving your body a little bit every day. Everything gets better. Or you could run triathlons like Mo. Oh, Holy yeah. moly. Yeah. I would absolutely drown. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Me too. Are you a fan of burpees? I do not like burpees. Oh, I do not like burpees well, either. I like you. I like you even more burpees now. Burpees are a waste of time. <laughs> On that, we agree. <laughs> That's good. We found some every time, common every ground. Time that, whenever my trainer has me try and do burpees, I always tell him I have to be deconstructed. So I do the push-ups, and then I do the jumps, and then I do the whole burpee together is too much <laughs> we're, we're old women mo we can't move in this fashion anymore I'm getting up off the ground like that <laughs> chuck you got any other no tips? so i'm my my main takeaway from all of this was obviously you know the the mental aspect the sleep the nutrition the physical fitness are all wrapped into one and if i could summarize mo everything in moderation including a donut is that right yeah everything right. in moderation yeah. i mean that's pretty Eighty key with with yeah. and that's a lot not like no 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 I was gonna modify that I had a from, former coworker shout out to Mike Egan he said everything in moderation including moderation aha uh -huh. uh, I thought that was oh that's, that is good that's, that's good I think you know if we can summarize it even further nothing is good if you're not sleeping. So if your whole life, wait, can I swear on this podcast? Yes. Okay. Yes. Jerry swears all day. If your whole See, life, you're ready for him. All if right. your whole life is a shit show, mm -hmm. then start working on your sleep. And yeah, if, get you, right with your sleep. if you have issues with your sleep, go see someone. And that might look like cognitive behavioral therapy. It might look like a sleep expert. It might look like, I don't know what, but start sleeping. Everything gets better. And then you can worry about the other stuff. Can't believe I swore on the podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry, Joe. Well, I'm sorry, Joe Burns. You you actually just uh, increased our ratings by swearing. <laughs> I validated the podcast. Yeah, right. You validated that you're a firefighter, really, by doing that. <laughs> Matt, you have any other final like thoughts or questions of these ladies while we have them? No, I just want to thank them both for being here, Mo and Annette. I think um, that was really valuable input and connects a lot of the dots for us. So thank you mm -hmm. for doing that. Yeah. Any, I think firefighters are disciplined, you know, just in general. And this does take some form of discipline to, you know, follow a nutrition or a sleep or you're in control of your two days off. There's no, or however many days you have off. And, and they give to everyone else so much though. Correct. Like you got to give to yourself. Sure. You can't pour from an empty teapot. Yeah. Good that's point. a good, self-care is not selfish. Mm -hmm. Our guys need to remember that. Yep. 
you can't you can't take good care of your family or your patients or your civilians if you're not taking good care of yourself. Any other final thoughts from either of you, Maureen or Annette? You go, Mo. No, I just think um, if you really, as far as food goes, just really embrace what can I add to make my, my nutrition better. It takes away the deprivation feeling or the intimidating feeling of what, how do I do? What do I, what do I, how do I go about everything? Because just like with fitness, there's just so much misinformation out there. It gets complicated and confusing. So just keep it really simple and small, simple steps. And if you get a pound of broccoli mat, there won't be room for donuts. Nope, no. <laughs> Let's give that a try. You drink 120 ounces of water, oh, you won't be hungry. <laughs> Ever. I think, too, just if people can realize that, like Mo said, you don't realize how good you can feel. And especially if you're having mental health challenges at work, um, sometimes it can just feel really super overwhelming. But just if you can take a step back, take a deep breath and think, where can I make some small improvements? Start with sleep. I think that's the way to go. Can I drop this mic? Is it expensive? Like- <laughs> mic drop. Mic drop. We might need more sponsorships. if we- <laughs> I won't drop the mic. Um, so... Maureen, if uh, some of our members maybe have questions down the line or whatever, where can they find you out there uh, to ask you some questions? Is there a way to reach you? Um, or if some of our members, the locals or the departments, would be interested in having you speak, is that something you do? Uh, I don't know if you yeah. travel here to Illinois, but... Uh, oh, yeah, she travels. She travels, all right. Yes, I travel. And if anyone wanted to uh, reach out, I'm on both Instagram and Facebook, probably more Instagram, um, and it's uh, my handle is my name, so that's Maureen Stockline RD, and that's the same handle on both Instagram and Facebook. And I, you know, be more than happy to to speak um, to anyone or to, you know, if you shoot me an instant message or whatever whatever means you have to get a hold of me, I'd be more than happy to respond and help. Awesome, appreciate that, Annette. How do we get get in touch with you? Well, I have a website. I'm revamping it. It's going to be so much better when it gets done. But my website is www.fire, and then the letter S as in Sam, the letter Q as in Queen, fitness, firerescuefitness.com. And I have a messaging feature there. Or you can catch me on Instagram at firerescuefitness. Send me a message. Or contact Joe Barnes. I mean, right. Yeah, go through Joe. Go through Joe. He's my agent. <laughs> He's got nothing to do. Your agent. No, no, it's uh, interesting. On every episode, we hit some type of union president, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Jerry relentlessly rips on Loretto. Fair. And I, really what happened today is Loretto, in true Berwyn fashion, handed me a money full of envelope, not to have Jerry on anymore. So that's that's did really what happened. Did you say money full of envelope? Sorry. I, I speak see, fluently. I am, <laughs> sleep deprivation. I am sleep deprived. Right. We're not going to ask where Mike got the envelope. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I... If anybody doesn't have anything else, really appreciate both of you on this morning, um, taking the time to be on with us. And this should be very beneficial to our members. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Mo, come see me. (laughs) All righty, take care. And uh, for our members out there, stay tuned for the next episode. Peace.